It is good to be with you virtually today. Uh, my name is Chad, and I get to preach here from time to time. One of our pastors here, and for those of you who have taken uh, the regathering survey, thank you for doing that. Uh, we appreciate your input, and we definitely want that. If you have not done that already, definitely take some time after the service. Uh, and go to overflowchurch.org slash survey, and then that way that'll be there. It'll take you two minutes. We want to hear from you and get your input. That's not the only thing we would like your input on today. Uh, We also would like your input on the service and the sermon, and so we're going to have something of an interactive moment together where uh, we're going to do some Q&R at the end of service. So it's not question and answer because I'm not God and can't promise a perfect answer, Uh, but I can give you a quality response uh, to potentially what's on your mind. So as we go through Matthew 5, 21 to 26, we're talking about anger. If you've got a question that comes up in your mind, if you've got a comment, if you've got something that you want uh, said, you want something talked about, definitely take advantage of the opportunity to drop that uh, in the comments on Facebook or drop that on our online platform. Our hosts will be there to receive that. And at the end of the sermon, uh, we're going to go ahead and answer just a couple of those uh, so that we can actually give you guys some ownership over what we're doing today. We're continuing in our series called Things I Wish Jesus Didn't Say. Uh, We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew 5 through 7. Uh, And I don't know who said it first. uh, And I tried Googling it, couldn't find anyone who took credit for it. Uh, But my favorite quote about the Sermon on the Mount uh, is this. It's that all of Christian history could be summed up as repeated attempts to avoid living by the Sermon on the Mount. There's a lot of tough things that Jesus teaches. There's a lot of tough things that we have to wrestle with. There's a lot of things that challenge us, like, uh, that just call, like, oh, against everything that's just natural in us. Things like love your enemies, uh, or even, you know, blessed are you when you go through tough stuff, right? It's difficult to deal with. One of those things that Jesus says, and we looked at it a bit a couple weeks ago, and it's that blessed are the peacemakers, Now, when Jesus says peacemakers, he's not necessarily thinking like, oh, peace is in the absence of any kind of conflict. I mean, that's hard enough to accomplish, but that's not what he has in mind. When he says peace, he has this Hebrew idea of shalom in mind. Shalom being everything is as God intends it to be. Better believe there's going to be some conflict on our way to getting there. But that's what he has in mind. But see, the issue is, is that we can't be people who enter chaos and bring peace if we're not at peace ourselves somehow. One of those things that gets in our way is our own anger. And so with that in mind, let's look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. You have heard that our ancestors were told, you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on your way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again 
until you've paid the last penny. This section of teaching that Jesus does here in the Sermon on the Mount kicks off six or seven in a row that are kind of like this, where Jesus says, you heard it said uh, this particular truth. They're all from the Old Testament. Uh, You've heard this in the law, but I say to you a higher standard. In this case, Jesus says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I say, let's deal with the anger that would cause you to do that. And so he gives a teaching point and then three examples. And the teaching point really simply is this. We have to be able to deal with our anger. It's really important to note that anger as an emotion is not what's on the table here that Jesus is talking about. Uh, The particular Greek word that is is used here is orgazomenos, which means a continual state of being angry. Uh, The word also gets translated like enraged, livid, irate, like a continual state of doing that and not addressing it. A continual state where we're just like out of our mind, we're crazy angry, and we don't have a healthy outlet to deal with it. We know that anger in and of itself also is not the problem from elsewhere in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 says, be angry and don't sin. Same, same word gets used there as well. Like, it's possible to be angry and still not be in sin. It's what we do with it. So here's the deal. There's a lot of things to be angry about in 2020. First of all, it started with a Michigan winter, which is one of the most depressing routines that we have. And then, right before everything got awesome and the weather got warm, COVID hit and we got locked inside for three, four months. And then the last few weeks happened. Among others, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, none of whom should be dead. Two of whom we had to watch die on video. Like, if that doesn't cause some kind of visceral reaction in the depth of our being, like, it should. Anger is a justified emotion and response to have. It's what we do with it that Jesus is calling us to a high level. Here's the deal. Like, peaceful protest is a phenomenal use of that anger. And it's actually that anger that is fueling our fight for justice. It is a healthy, good outlet for that. The thing that we have to do with this anger is to ensure that we are not fighting against one another, not fighting with one another, but instead we fight for one another. So it's not a deal of what one individual person, like the reason that we walk is not for us ourselves, but it's for our community, it's for our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's for our country. Like, also, it should be a tip-off that something is not quite right, that other countries are protesting us. Like, that should be a, like, flag that, like, something is going wrong. Last night, like, I tried to go to bed at, like, 11.45, which is a little bit early for me, but, like, I couldn't sleep. Uh, because, like, just with injustice and police brutality, like, that's hard to deal with. Uh, but then also, me... Like, I have, I, this morning, like, I have to preach to a diverse church about anger. And I, I couldn't sleep, and, and it was tough. But then, 
God reminded me of something, and then I was so stinking happy that I couldn't go to bed after that either, so I was up quite late. The church and overflow, specifically, are leading from the front. At the the Peace Walk yesterday, saw tons of overflow people there, not just like there in support, but also leading the way. And don't miss the fact that the entire Peace Walk yesterday started with a thousand people on their knees before God in prayer. That's going to change some stuff. That is worth celebrating. No, the world has not gotten better overnight but we can have some comfort and some joy in the fact that God is going to do something. When God's people pray in unity together, we fall on our knees in in unison toward change. God's going to move. And so in the rest of this passage in in Matthew 5, Jesus talks about interpersonal anger, which really is where all this gets enacted as well. And so let's, let's see the couple of examples he gives because his teaching point is, okay, anger, got to have a healthy way to deal with that, got to have a good expression, good thing for that to get out so we don't just continually seethe. But let's look at uh, the examples Jesus gives. Uh, looking at verse 22, uh, he says, but if I say, I mean, if, even if you're angry with someone, so if you're continuously angry, seething, marinating in that and not like having any change happen, uh, but I say to you, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Now, the insults that Jesus just said are not complimentary in any language uh, that you might go for. Uh, Idiot is a pretty good translation of what's going on there. But basically, Jesus is like hitting on, okay, we're talking about, okay, don't murder, but yeah, anger. Let's deal with the thing that would cause that. But also, this is like if something is rising up in you that you've not been able to deal with, then your mouth says something it shouldn't, right? And so in this case, it's, it's insulting other people. But rather than allowing ourselves to get that far down the road where our anger is taking control of us, Jesus is saying, let's back the thing up a bit and address that. If we have an issue with someone else, we need to address that in person as much as possible. The, the good news of the large lift of quarantine and stay-at-home orders is that now we can address things in person much easier and deal with that. But when we, we got to address things with other people, it matters. It's important. Otherwise, we just sit in the moment and nothing changes. Uh, one of those things, so about a year ago, I was sitting down with my sister for, for coffee, and we were catching up about all kinds of things. Uh, we actually drink chai tea when we're together. Uh, it's not that cool, but it's our thing. Uh, and so it was a good time. We caught up. We talked about family, other things. Uh, but I had to say something to her, because my family does this thing that annoys me to no end. Uh, and it's that we return to like these childhood roles when we all get together. And I'm the youngest of four. Uh, which means I'm the biggest joke of the four and I'm the funniest of my siblings, which if you think I'm not funny, just imagine that my siblings are more dull than I am. I'd be like, sis, I'm annoyed when our family returns to these rules because then I'm a joke and expected to make everybody laugh and and I don't have anything serious to say anymore and I'm afraid that if we continue to go back to that, I'm not going to want to hang out with our family. 
Now, not everything needed to change in our relationship. There's a lot of endearing things about uh, our childhood, like we have weird nicknames for each other, and uh, we, get, we still get along, we text, you know, we have good conversation like that. And so, not everything needed to change, but we needed to be specific about what did. When we address stuff that's causing some anger in us, we need to be specific. General statements get generic answers. Specific statements get specific answers. So that's the, uh, if, if we've got an issue with somebody else, but let's look at uh, the other example Jesus gives, and we just need to pick up verse uh, 23 or so with this, and Jesus takes a different angle. He says, so if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, which for them is just going to church, doing normal worship, uh, altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come back and finish worship. Notice, worship gets put on hold when someone else has a problem with us. Which, really, this is a good uh, idea for, for both ends of, of the spectrum on this, right? Whether we have an issue with someone else or someone else has an issue with us and we realize that wherever we're at, figure it out, find a way, go find that person and address it with them. But worship gets put on hold here when we realize that something is up. So let's, let's, let's take a brief like emotional inventory, a brief pause on this. Uh, if you're a note taker, like feel free to write maybe like some of your responses uh, down, uh, or if you just need to process in your head, cool. But, but in your mind, answer the, the next couple of questions. How do I feel right now? In the last week, how many times did I wake up happy? or content, or with, with any measurable joy? How many of those days in the week was I angry? Do I have something against someone else? Does somebody else have something against me? Now, at some point today, here's, here's my challenge to you. Make a list of the things I haven't addressed. You can call it whatever you need to, uh, but issues I haven't said anything about or uh, relationships that need to change, whatever it is. Make a list, pick one, and address it today. Because you can't sit on this stuff or it'll start eating us alive. But we need to address these things uh, with other people. And so off of your list of things I haven't addressed, things I haven't mentioned to anybody, relationships that I haven't like talked through, pick one and address it today. Now, it would be horribly cruel uh, if I was like, hey, address your issues. Uh, and then I didn't like give any like help for that, especially because like then we just walk up, we're like, hey, I have a problem with you, you idiot. Oh no, that's what Jesus said not to do. Oh, dang it. All right. So, I want to give you one like really handy tool uh, to work through uh, an effective confrontation 
with. So this is from a guy named Simon Sinek. Uh, he's like a motivational speaker, does a lot of business leadership stuff. So obviously I don't necessarily endorse everything he says, but his stuff on effective confrontation, pretty good. Uh, so he says, go with these FBI statements, these feelings, behavior, impact statements. And it's really, really simple because, uh, first of all, feeling, okay, how you feel about the situation, how I feel about the situation. Behavior, what someone did that caused that feeling to happen. And impact, like the long-term effects of that continuing. Interestingly enough, people need the impact statement. Feelings behavior is an accusation. Feelings behavior impact actually brings something to, to light. People change when they see the future impact of what they continue to do. So, like, an example of this. So, let's say you really wish that a friend would just listen to your side, and they're just not paying attention to, they're not listening, and they're sticking with their ways, and, and they're not even open to a conversation about what you need to talk about. A, a sample of this kind of statement would be, I feel ignored when you don't listen to my side and won't hear me out about whatever it is that you're talking about. And I'm afraid that if that continues to happen, I won't want to be your friend anymore. Or let's say in, in the midst of COVID, you lost your job and you and your, and you and your boss were actually kind of close, or at least on good terms, uh, but it happened without warning and they knew about it, but like they didn't like give you any warning and then all of a sudden you're out of work immediately. And you see them in the, in the grocery store and they strike up a conversation with you. A sample statement could go, Boss, I was hurt and frustrated with the lack of warning, in, even though you could have given me some. And it hurt a lot because I thought you would do better for me. And I'm afraid that because of that, I'm, if you do offer me my job back, I'm not going to want to work for you and I'm going to go work for someone else. But feelings, behavior, impact, all three parts are important. Which also brings up a key point. If somebody says to you that they have a problem with you or comes, comes to us and says, hey, I've got this issue, we have to listen. Like just by default, that's a must. We have to listen when other people express an issue to us. Because right, we're frustrated when people don't listen to us, but we also need to make sure we're not doing that to other people as well. Because as Christians, we are called to enter chaos and bring peace. Yes, our world is chaotic. And you know what? There's human beings just by nature cause a lot of chaos. And, out, and aside from being with God uh, and having his spirit move in us, we're pretty bad on our own. But with God, we can begin to bring peace. Again, not peace is in this like lack of conflict because again, effective confrontation. Like we need to be able to express when things are not going well, when things are wrong, when an injustice happens, we have to be able to express that. And we also have to listen when other people bring that to us. Conflict, some manner of confrontation is required to get to God's idea of peace, which is everything is as God intends it to be. But we as Christians have an opportunity to enter chaos and bring peace.
And it all starts with dealing with our own anger. So at this point, as promised, we're going to shift into uh, a question and response. I mean, again, because I'm not God, thanks. Uh, because I'm not God, I do not promise uh, the perfect answer because uh, only he gives those things. Um, but a quality response uh, from at least one of your pastors. So throughout the week, we had a couple opportunities for you to uh, either text in, uh, email in, comment on Facebook, a few questions that you have just about anger and, and this passage in particular. Uh, and then also during the service, we've checked uh, and pulled together some of the questions that y'all have asked. So uh, we're going to tackle a few of these uh, together. So first question. I seem to get most angry when things seem out of my control and I am uncomfortable. So much is changing and feels that way right now in our world. What do I do? Great first step is to talk to God uh, about that. I mean, everything starts and ends with prayer. Um, and again, especially... Uh, if it's an uh, interpersonal relationship, you can make a very solid FBI feelings, behavior, impact statement uh, to that person. Um, recognize that likely uh, what people don't tend to do is listen very well right away. Um, and so it may take a couple of times of saying that particular statement to them, and they may still not react the way that you're hoping for, uh, which is a difficult thing to have to deal with. But once you've prayed and talked to God and addressed that with whatever particular person, uh, some of it comes from an awareness of when we're not in control, we all get uncomfortable. Like that's a very normal human thing uh, to have going on there. Um, but yeah, so pray, find some quiet space with God so you can actually like decompress a bit uh, and then be able to make a solid statement to, to the person causing whatever chaos is for you. Uh, two, Oh, yes, Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians 4.26 says, we can be angry, just don't sin. But five verses later, in 4.31, it says, to let all bitterness, wrath, anger, etc. be put away from you. Which one is it? Uh, and, yeah, and there's another uh, question about righteous versus unrighteous uh, anger. So, yes, it's actually both. So, uh, again, like we said, it's, it's this continual state of being angry that, that's a problem, and especially when that causes us to do bad things uh, and to sin against one another or against God, that's an issue there. Um, but the, what it says five verses later is like the end effect of what we should be able to do, right? In addressing our anger, in taking it to God, in making our statements to each other, in actually addressing our issues with one another, in that way we're actually putting off all bitterness because... Uh, when we get rid of our anger or find a healthy outlet for it, then we're able to begin putting that stuff away from us. Yeah, it's both and. I mean, and it's one continuous argument uh, there in Ephesians 4. Um, so we're really taking the whole thing, uh, that couple of paragraphs around it, uh, together. Uh, three, how to keep my heart in peace at the same time that I stand up for my rights. Again, peace is not, at least in God's mind, and I think God's a pretty solid one to take a note from, uh, peace is not necessarily the absence of conflict. Right? Peace is shalom in God's mind, 
everything is as God intends it to be, and there's going to be conflict on our way to getting there, uh, which means that we're going to have to stand up for our own rights, but also, particularly for us as Christians in a church, we are called to stand up for other people's rights as well. Uh, it's, it's this key thing that we have to recognize. It's, it's a, uh, and Brian made the statement last week, week before, uh, we have to stop focusing so much on me and make a transition to we. We need to stand up for each other. When we see injustice, we absolutely stand against those things. Again, uh, the Peace Walk yesterday, phenomenal example. There's a lot of emotion into something like that. There's a lot of pain coming out. There's a lot of anger coming out. There's a lot of frustration over uh, what feels like an eternity uh, of injustice. And then particularly uh, the last couple of weeks having it just plastered on the news in front of us. Emotion is not the problem. Standing up for one another, fighting for one another is what we're called to do. So, yeah, it's not going to go away overnight. Uh, our anger is not going to go away overnight. But as we begin to get out of that continual bitterness, that out, of, out of that continual, like, only seething and not addressing it, then we'll, we'll be following Ephesians 4 and being able personally to get toward that peaceful state, uh, shalom, as everything is as God intends it to be. But also, as we fight for each other and stand up for each other's rights, we'll be able to get there as well. Uh, one more question, because uh, I think that's what we have time for. Uh, I've tried to make it right with someone and asked for forgiveness. They're still unable to forgive me and are still angry with me. Is there anything else I can do? So, assuming that we receive this correctly and I read it correctly and I understand what's going on correctly... Uh, it seems like uh, whoever, whoever asked that, so the I did something wrong and I, and I confessed that, I repented of that and I like actually turned around and stopped doing that thing uh, and went to the person or people that I have wronged and actually was like, okay, I am sorry. Which is important, by the way, apologies, so you always lead with I'm sorry and not include a but. Like a but is just an excuse for whatever I did that was wrong. Uh, but I'm sorry, and you're like, you, you're like, you actually apologize for a specific thing. Uh, the reality is sometimes it takes a while. Or so, depending on what happened, like, it's a process for people to be able to forgive. It's, it's hard. But interestingly enough, uh, this whole passage that Jesus has in Matthew chapter 5 is all based on our behavior, not the other person's. Regardless of what other people do, we are called to, if we do something wrong, apologize. If we uh, have an issue with someone else, bring it out. If we realize someone else has an issue with us, uh, address it and do as best as we can. Uh, it's in the New Testament elsewhere, and my memory's blanking. But as much as we are able to live at peace with one another or be reconciled to one another, when we have done that work and prepared the way for that, we're not necessarily responsible for how the other person responds to us. But we are always responsible for what we do. So... Hopefully, um, that was helpful. Hopefully, those responses were helpful. Again, no promises on perfect answers, but at least the beginning of a response uh, from at least one of your pastors is helpful. So, 
What we're going to do now is we're going to transition into uh, a time of prayer and we're going to worship the Lord again. Uh, There's a lot in our world, but focusing on Christ is the best way to move forward. So let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for a thousand people who knelt before you yesterday to pray for healing in our land, to pray for healing for one another and for systems and for injustices. God, we trust you. God, just like, like, like the pastor Joel said a few minutes ago, we trust you to move and we trust you to move us to action. God, we, we absolutely love you. God, where we are hurt, give us wholeness. Where we have hurt others, give us the courage to apologize. God, for all of us today, give us the ability to turn from whatever wicked ways we have been in. Turn to you, confess them to you, move towards you, and Lord, heal our land. God, you are way better than us at this. God, without you on our own, we, are, we do not have this. But with you, all things are possible. And so on a personal level, God, we pray for peace within ourselves. And on a community level, we pray for everything to be as you intend it to be. God, give us the strength to enter chaos and bring peace. Jesus, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.